Hey guys, welcome to episode 13 of the BAC Hockey for Hope podcast. Hope you guys got a chance to listen to uh, last week's episode with Eric Doyle um, of the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, great episode, uh, just talking about his journey through alcoholism and addiction and um, asking for help and what ultimately got him onto the road to recovery where he is now, um, two years sober. So thank you to Eric for uh, sharing that story. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys get a chance to listen to it. You can uh, go to Apple or Spotify to listen to that episode or any of the previous ones. Um, but today's guest, uh, really excited for this one. I actually really enjoyed this conversation that we had a couple weeks ago here. Um, Chris Lineweber will be our guest today. Uh, Liney works with the Calgary Fire Department. He's been there for a number of years since he finished playing. Um, North Dakota alumni won a national championship there. Um, got to play under a number of great coaches that have gone on to uh, coach in the National Hockey League or run successful programs elsewhere so interesting to hear about that um i really enjoy talking with chris just a really smart uh, smart mind good hockey guy um and yeah so hope you guys re- enjoy the conversation here and um like i said any of the other episodes you want to listen to you can do so on apple or spotify but uh hopefully you enjoy this episode with chris lineweber thank you This episode with Chris Lineweber is brought to you by BAC Hockey. This week we will start our week one of our position-specific camp with guest instructor Chris Lanko. Um, Chris currently plays overseas in Europe, a um, number of games in a couple seasons in the American Hockey League, uh, former Western League player. Uh, so really excited for the forwards and defensemen to get to work with Chris. Um, but we have two weeks of that camp coming up, and then as well our uh, back-to-play program continues. Um, end of July, we have our four-on-four tournament that we do with the goalie guys at GDI. Um, still spots for that available. If anyone is interested, just send me a message. Enjoy this episode with Liney. Thanks, guys. Uh, so today's guest with me is uh, Chris Lineweber. Uh, met Chris just through, uh, I think, just some mutual contacts and coaching. Um, had a pretty successful playing career. Works now as a uh, firefighter in Calgary. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about his uh, playing career um, that took him overseas to Europe from uh, UND um, and then just some of the things he's seen in the game and what uh, what life's like now as a firefighter. So thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on, Blair. Really appreciate it. How are things going? Good. Yeah, everything's good. Um, trying to navigate this uh this new normal of the covid uh covid 19 stuff that's going on but uh but yeah no we're doing good family's good kids are good um yeah. we're trying to survive here a little bit good has it i guess uh with, with that point um has your job as a firefighter changed a whole bunch since all this stuff uh to be honest the job has been the same um you know, we always, we always talk about, uh, you know, at work when we're getting called, it's probably somebody's, um, you know, it's the worst day of their life type thing. So as far as that, uh, uh, it hasn't changed. Um, what has changed though, is our protocols and going into certain different calls, um, our medical calls, our protocols, the PPE that we wear going into these calls, that's drastically changed. Um, but, uh, but for the most part is, you know, it's, it's been status quo at work. Um, just some, some major protocol changes for us. Yeah. No, I, I, 
that makes sense. Um, okay, well, let's start with your playing career. Um, so you play with the Calgary Canucks um, and then made the decision to go to UND. Um, yep. What led to that decision and how come you chose to go there? Yeah, so I played, uh, um, like I said, played junior A Canucks there, Calgary Canucks. Um, I actually played as an underage, so I played uh, my second year, what, what, what would have been my second year of midget. Um, I, uh, I went to... UND. I actually went on two visits. I went to uh, Union College, um, which is a small school, Ivy League school out on the East Coast there in Schenectady, New York, um, and loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, two weeks later, I went on my second visit to North Dakota, um, and it was it was almost like love at first sight, I guess you could say, type thing, right? It's, I went to the university and you know saw a game, saw the atmosphere, met the coaching staff, met the players. Um, and it was like, okay, this is the place I want to play. Um, so as soon as I saw that the atmosphere of the university, that's where I knew I wanted to go. Um, I actually wasn't supposed to go in the year that I went into UND. I was supposed to go into the following year. So I was supposed to play two years of junior. Um, one of the other recruits that was supposed to go in at, at that point broke his leg. So they had a spot open up and they asked me to come in earlier and, and, and kind of the rest was history with that. So going in earlier, did you, did you play a whole bunch the first year? Uh, so I did. I actually played in every single game my first two oh, years. Nice. Um, I got lucky that way. And, and I get asked this question a lot, Blair. I, I, you know, I went in at 17 years old. I was the youngest player in college hockey my first year. So I turned 18 um, November of my freshman year. So if you put that into perspective, the drinking age in, in, the, in the U.S. is 21. I didn't turn 21 until my senior year. So, um, people, uh, people ask me all the time if I would do it again. Um, no, I would do the exact same thing again. I won a national championship my first year. Uh, the friendships I made, the, you know, the memories are made are, are undeniable, right? One thing that, you know, I did go in as a defenseman at, at that time in 1999, um, a defenseman at 170 pounds. So, yeah. you know, the game was different back then. You're playing against guys that are 220, 230 pounds type thing, and, and you're battling at, at 170 in front of the net. And it was, it was hard that way. So, so could I use the year another junior to physically develop? Yes, I could have. Um, would I have changed it? No, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Were you guys playing out of uh, Ralph Engelstad then? Yeah, so I uh, I played actually two years in the old Ralph Engelstad Arena and then two years in the new one. So uh, my third year, so my junior year, we got to open up the new arena, oh, um, awesome. which, was, which was awesome. We played the first yeah. game. We played our big rival, which at that time was Minnesota. Um you know, I remember that uh, that year we had come off a national championship my first year. Um, we lost in the national final in overtime the next year to Chris Kalanis and, and Boston College, um, if you guys remember that name. Um, and then uh, my third year where, you know, all this excitement about uh, um, the new rink, we go and we open up the new rink and we don't even make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's a pretty exciting couple of years, though. Like two national championship appearances, and then playing and opening up that new arena. Uh, pretty good time to go down there and play. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's it, it, you know it was the best four years of my life. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, 
you know, two years I won a national championship. Next year we could have won back to back. We just lost mm -hmm. in overtime to Boston College in the national final. Um, so yeah, unbelievable experience, and 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 it really was the best four years of my life for sure. Who was uh, who was the coach that you had there? So I played uh, my four years there. The head coach was Dean Blaze. Um, he uh, he had been at North Dakota for I think six or seven years. Um, he was my head coach for four years. We had different assistant coaches. So my first year, the year we won the national championship, I, uh, one of the assistant coaches, his name was Scott Sandlin, who is now the head coach yeah, in Minnesota Duluth. Um, you know, he's had three national championships there. Um, he had won one with us an assistant coach. And then, uh, the other guy, um, at that time was called, uh, was named Jeff Bowen and his, um, son now plays for UND, but he, after that year, moved on to the alumni department, um, and took over the alumni association, uh, with UND. So, after those guys left, we had two pretty high-profile assistant coaches come in. Dave Hackstall, who um, was assistant coach for four years under Blaze. When Blaze left, uh, Hackstall took over the head coaching job, and he was the head coach for 11 years before he went to Philadelphia and, and now with Toronto. And then uh, the other assistant coach was Brad Berry. Um, Brad Berry is now the head coach of UND, um, but he longtime NHLer, um, yeah. coached in the NHL as well, and uh, you know he's now taken over the program. And, and and three great guys, and and you know super fortunate to play for for everybody there. Yeah, you've had some really good coaches there. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, what uh, what did what did you come away with there for education? So I, uh, I graduated with a business management degree. Um, so kind of actually went in there. I didn't really know what I wanted to take. I actually, my initial plan and, and what I always wanted to do um, before, you know, wanting to do the firefighting stuff is I wanted to be a physiotherapist. And uh, that was an option there. They actually had a, a really good physiotherapy program at UND. Um, <clears throat> I just wasn't able to make it work time-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, with the hockey, obviously the hockey was a big commitment, um, you know, physiotherapy, the teachers are very accommodating for student athletes, but the amount of that I would have missed, it would have been too hard for me personally to complete. So, so I did business management, um, really enjoyed it. I, 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 you know, I, you can branch off to a lot of different things with that degree. So that's, that's what I ended up majoring in. What was that like just balancing, you know, having uh, school responsibilities and playing for the team there. Um, and it was something that like, you kind of figured out as you went or how did you come up with the time management skills there? So it actually was an adjustment. Um, it was, it was tough at first. And one of the good things, and, and I, and I think most schools do this, Blair, to be honest, but, but I can specifically speak to North Dakota is that what they do the first year is, uh, with the freshmen coming in as they have every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, they did a study hall. So that meant we go to practice at three, four o'clock, whenever we practiced, we'd have dinner and then we'd have to come back to the rink where the team would bring in, they'd have tutors there and help if we needed to. And we'd spend three, four hours getting into the routine of, of balancing your schoolwork and, and your, your athletics. So, um, you know, when I talk to kids today about the college, 
you know, they're, they're excited. They see the atmosphere like, well, I'm going there to play hockey. And, you know, and one thing you kind of cautioned them is, 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 is you say is, okay, you're a student athlete, right? And you're a student first. Um, you have to keep a minimum GPA to play and to be eligible. Um, so, it, you know, it is an adjustment. Um, Hockey is a huge commitment. Um, but the but the team does a really good job of of helping you pave your way to be able to to create that balance of of school and hockey. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And did you live on campus while you were there? Yeah, my first year. So again, at UND, uh, your first year, everybody lives in the dorms um, on campus, and then uh, they pair you up with roommates. So my roommate at the time was actually Ryan Beta. Um, a kid from from Saskatoon who played in Vernon um, in the BCHL and then went down North Dakota and then moved on and played Carolina and long time in the NHL and in Europe. He uh, um, he was my roommate. We lived together actually all three years he was there. I was there for four. Um, first year on campus, second, third, and fourth year, we um, were able to move off campus. So whatever your scholarship was worth, um, they, they would cut you a check essentially um, for the equivalent fees. And then you could now go and get an apartment off campus and, and pay for fee or pay for rent that way. That must've been pretty fun then. Yeah, it was. Campus and everything. Yeah, it was good. It was, I mean, it was, you want to be on campus, you know, you go in as a 17 year old, you know, guys, any, any age you come in as a freshman, right? You want to be a part of the atmosphere, you know, um, you're on campus, you're right in the middle of things. Um, you know, it's, you know, we ate in the cafeterias there, the cafeterias right there. So everything was there. I didn't even have a car my first year. So Mm -hmm. we, uh, we were able to live on campus and walk everywhere, walk to the arena. And, and, you know, it was, it was, it was a really good setup. Um, so then I think, I think it was your senior year, you go play in the American hockey league. Um, I guess just talk about how that came about. Um, and then just the experience playing at that level compared to what it was at uh, college. Yeah, so that was actually a, a, a really good opportunity I had come my way. I actually went after my senior year had finished. We'd lost to Ferris State in the national quarterfinal game. Um, and one thing, one thing our coaching staff did, and, and you know, and, and they do it for everybody. It's not just the the Jonathan Taves or the Zach Parise's, the guys that are going to the NHL, right? They try and move everybody on to the next level, whether it be the NHL, the AHL, the East Coast, Europe, whatever it is, they try and help you out. So we got eliminated. Um, Syracuse at the time, which was Columbus's farm team, they had, uh, you know, just messaged our coaches, say, hey, we've got, um, you know, we've got some injuries. We've only got two games left. We're not making the playoffs. We'd love to bring in um, Chris and, 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 you know, give him an opportunity to finish and play a couple games with us. And, and, and absolutely the, you know, the coaching staff set that up and, you know, there it was two days after we got eliminated from the national tournament. I was on a plane out to Syracuse and finished the, the season with them. They, uh, they only had two games left. Like I said, it was a home and home against Rochester. I remember, um, on the road, the first game and then back in Syracuse, the second game. So, um, yeah, so that, that's how it worked out. The, the, the coaches do a really good job at marketing the players and moving them on to the next level, just like any coach does at any level, right? Um, you know, we were super fortunate for that. That's awesome. Um, what was the biggest thing you noticed in terms of uh, just the on-ice differences between that level and college? Yeah, so again, 
you know, I, I say that we only had two games left. They were so far out of the playoffs at that point. So the intensity level and, and you, you know how it is, right? You've been a part of hockey. If you you got two games left, you're 15 games out of a playoff spot. The intensity level isn't there. Um, But one of the things that I did notice in playing the American hockey league, and I never played at the NHL. I played in the American hockey. That's as high as I got um, is, is the ability for people to catch passes at any type of pass, right? It, there's always that saying is you can't give a good player a bad pass. Um, you know, that was one of the, the small skills that stuck out for me was, uh, um, was that, you know, people were able to catch passes at, at any level, at, at any speed, anywhere in their body type thing. And, and that was really eye-opening for me. Um, the game was much more structured uh, than college. College was a little more freewheeling, um, a little more high tempo, um, high scoring, whereas you get into the, um, the American League, it was more structured. And I actually, you know, to be honest, Blair, I, I thought it, the higher the level I played, um, I actually thought it was easier to play because everybody played their positions and no one was out of place. And, and, and you kind of knew where guys were. You put, you know, I played some in the East Coast and, you know, guys are, you know, there's reason why players are down at that level versus the American Hockey League and the yeah. NHL, right? Because the consistent consistency of the habits, and you know, so you know, it was. I thought it was easier to play at the American League, um, just based on positioning alone. Yeah, no, and I've heard that before, and I've actually I've asked that same question to other guys. The difference from major junior college or East Coast League to the AHL, and they've said the same thing, like either guys hand eye or their ability to just manage pucks that aren't anywhere near them yeah yeah Uh, and you see it too watching the nhl that's one of my favorite things to watch is like that's my favorite skill of crosses is that like a puck could be six feet ahead of him and he catches it yeah yeah he must make his defensemen feel like rock stars because you can't make a pass to that guy (laughs) yeah or three feet behind him he sticks his golden gadget leg out and picks it up with his foot and (laughs) yeah no, that's yeah. a, and that's an important skill, I think, that guys don't think about a whole lot. And I've even, I hear it all the time running, you know, midget practices. Like, I've heard parents complaining that, well, my kid didn't get any passes in practice today and none were on his tape and the kids are complaining yeah. about it. And I think that's great. Perfect. It's easy to yeah. catch on your tape. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like, I know you post your videos online and, and, and I actually really appreciate it. I think you posted one day of, of just catching passes Mm-hmm. Um, that are not under your tape. You're bouncing pucks off. You're throwing it in their gloves. Um, you know, one of the the skills uh, I've got some um, skill development stuff that that UND uses, and and a lot of guys use. A lot of teams use them. And one of the things they do is they just have a, a, a defenseman, specifically to defenseman. They have a defenseman backing off, and they're gonna as if a player is dumping the puck in, and they're just batting it out of midair, right? And and yeah. controlling the puck, batting it down, and then making your first outlet pass. So you know, it's those simple skills that you can learn. In practice um that you can't do in a game um you know those skill practices that that in the end are huge parts of the game this makes your like once you're able to have those skills that the game is so much easier and you you're so much more versatile in the things you can do and plays you can make and the speeds you make them at it just makes things easier for you yeah for sure um so then you go go overseas to europe um so again just the decision to go over there um you know what that was like how that came about and uh, where you went yeah so 
again, uh, so I played three years North America, like I said, a little bit in the American Hockey League and then down in the coast for a little bit. Um, the year actually I went over to Europe was the year of the lockout. So um, guys on NHL contracts were being sent down to the American League and then that took away spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has a trickle-down effect, right? Took away spots that guys weren't under NHL contracts like myself. And, 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 and at that point, I decided, you know, I want to try my luck in Europe. And my agent uh, kind of shopped around a little bit out there and see what was out there. And, and, and my first place I went to in Europe was Italy. And, uh, um, you know, I played with uh, some really, really good guys. Um, some really good guys from North America here, but I, I, I laugh at this day as like when I came home that year, I was done. I was going to quit hockey. I hate, like, it was just a horrible experience. We had won three games all year. Um, you know, the team, it was the imports fault type thing. And, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, it just didn't go well. Right. So, um, came back, uh, had a couple weeks off and obviously I still wanted to play. Um, so my agent found me a place in Norway, um, which my next two years in, in Europe were probably the best two years I had. Nor- Norway, we won the league. We won a, a championship there. Um, and then I went to Denmark the next year, um, which was really good. And, and actually, it's people, when you think of Denmark um, now, uh, it's not exactly a hockey powerhouse right but uh you know they're starting to make it up in the world championships um but at the time i was there you were allowed 10 north americans on each team and uh so there were some really good you know ex nhlers and ex ahlers um so it was it was it was a really good league at the time um and then the last two years of my career i spent in germany um which was also a fantastic experience a uh, really good league um you know, I just, yeah, super thankful for that opportunity to, to, to head over there and see the world and, and, you know, experience the, the different type of game that it was over there. Yeah. I think that's awesome that you have that experience to go overseas. And um, we had Tyler Fiddler on here earlier in the week and obviously he's playing in Europe right now too. And we got talking about it. And I think it's a thing that like kids now don't think about it a whole lot. Like, it's yeah. the NHL or nothing and yep. which is great to have that as your dream and but if ultimately you fall short there's still so many great leagues in Europe that you can go and play and, and have a yeah. long career because you're playing half the games you're playing on bigger rinks uh, yeah see different parts of the world like you said you get to experience so much more and like I I think it's just such a great opportunity and I wish guys knew more about it and were aware of it a little bit more and yeah uh, kind of had it as a okay well if I go there then perfect um, yeah so I'm going to talk about you know your experience there um just overall um you know the cultural experience that you had you know getting adjusted to life over there um you know what the game was like and everything like that yeah so the game is obviously quite a bit different um you know it's it's cliche when you look at it now you look at european players the style they play versus a north american style right um it's it's different the the rink is bigger um obviously you're on the olympic the olympic sheet so uh it's not as physical um the skill level was very very high um it was uh yeah it was just a different 
a different game. And for me, it was, it was good because I was a smaller defenseman. I think like, you know, the heaviest I played in my career was probably 185 pounds, right. Which is not big for a defenseman. Um, so, so the game suited me a little bit better over there, right. I was able to skate, um, took advantage of, of the extra ice. I was always a good skater when I played, I could make the first outlet pass and, you know, join the rush that way. So, so it, it really suited my game. Um, the European style and, and you know I loved being over for that as far as uh, the cultural differences I know my first year in Italy it was it was um, it was mind-blowing like for lack of better word it was mind-blowing for me to uh, um, to head over there because nobody really like I was a small town Asiago ski resort in northern Italy um, nobody spoke a lick of English mm-hmm. so now you know, a guy that's never been over, never spoke a second language. I got to go to a restaurant and try and order food off a menu that's in, com- you know, complete Italian writing. And, you know, so that was a little bit of a culture shock. But, but the years after that, so Denmark and Norway, um, both, both very westernized European countries. Um, you know, I actually made a conscious effort of trying to learn the languages, which was not a success, right? I didn't, <laughs> didn't pick it up very well, but, uh, um, but it was hard because everybody wanted to to speak to you in English over there um, in those countries because they were trying to learn English. So when they go to North America, they go on a holiday to Disneyland or Disney World or you know wherever it is they want to be able to speak English, right? So I didn't even get an opportunity to really learn the language there. But, uh, um, you know, Denmark, Norway, very westernized. And, and Germany, uh, I was kind of northwest Germany. So, again, it was it was westernized. There was a lot of English there. Um, not as much as, as the, the previous two countries, but but more than Italy. And, and you know, just great experience, great people. Um, it's a different lifestyle over there. You know, you Italy from two to four o'clock, they would shut down everything for their siesta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you you're looking to go out and do, yeah, to, to do something at 2 or 4 o'clock, it's all closed. <laughs> I know, it drove me nuts. We were there for a holiday and, like, that's when I eat. Like, that's lunchtime, 2 o'clock yeah. on yeah. holiday. And then you eat a little bit later and, like, everything's closed. And it's yeah. a ghost town. Yeah. That drove me nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, that was, yeah, I, I never got used to that, to be honest. No. You know, and I... You know, I'm always, I, I'm a morning person, so I'm up early, um, you know, and obviously when you're there over playing hockey, you've got an obligation to be in good shape. And so I'm not a night, I wasn't a night owl. And, you know, so I'm up during the day, right? And right in the middle of the day, everyone's gone and sleeping and there's nothing to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can never, and it's weird that like they're the only, and I could be totally wrong on this, but it seemed like they're like the only country that does it like that there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think Spain, some places in Spain did it, but I've never, I'd never been to Spain. So, yeah. hmm. um, but, but in saying that, I will say this is, is that in those countries, everyone was so relaxed and it was just a different way of life. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you look at, at over here and, 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 you know, and I know you've been a very big advocate for mental health and, and, and you know, I see it all the time with work. Um, over there, it was just everyone was laid back, everyone was happy, and, and it was just the, the way of life and lifestyle. Whereas over here, you see in North America, it's, you know, people are uptight, people are stressed, and, and, and you know, mental health is the major, major issue, right? So, so. Well, I, I, we noticed that too, when we were there, like, here, you go to a restaurant, and when you're done eating, it's like, okay, I'll get my bill, and I'm out of here. And there, yeah. like, 
you there's no rush to leaving it i, I remember that drove me nuts too the first couple of days we were there because i'm like okay we finished eating an hour ago like, i I'm, I'm ready to go like let's get yeah. out of here like, yeah. everyone there is just it's slow like take your time and i appreciate that now uh yeah once you understand it it's just but yeah like you said it's a different way of life and i think it's yeah. important for guys to be able to go and have that experience to kind of just go and see it and um and live it a little bit did you yeah. have uh, did you have all european coaches while you were there uh my first year in italy I actually had a guy named ennio salito so he was an italian canadian um, who now works at uh, Burnaby Winter College. Right. Um, so I, you probably know him yeah. from, from, uh, from the scouting days and, and, yeah. and that. Um, so he was my first coach. He got canned, and, like, we were terrible. Like, I'm telling you, we were terrible. We won three games all year. He got canned at uh, Christmas time, and then we had went through two other coaches in the last two months of the year then. Uh, but everybody else um, was – European. I know in uh, in Norway, I played for a, a Russian guy. Um, didn't speak a lick of English. Had to speak through a translator. Um, really good coach, though. Um, in Denmark, I played for a Swedish guy. And then uh, um, in Germany, that same Swedish guy moved to from Denmark to Germany, and and that's where I went, kind of with him, and followed him for his last couple of years. So so yeah, mostly uh, European coaches. You had like at UND, you had like some of probably the best coaches in college hockey. Some like we said are that you said are in the NHL now. Um, what were some of the differences between like having to play for those guys and then um, having to play for European coaches? Well, the the game is different, right? They tactically think different. Um, you know, for me. And it's much like my job now is that communication is the biggest thing in, in you know, communicating between uh, players and coaches. And you know this, right? Um, you know, so it, a guy that doesn't speak a lick of English makes it hard, right? So, so the first part of the year for me was um, – you know, was, was more so kind of standing at the back of the line while the drills went on until I understood the drill. And then you kind of, you know, you feel more comfortable. Um, communicating on the bench was different, right? You know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the way that I coached, um, you know, you try and you try and talk to your players throughout the game, right? But the coach doesn't speak English, you speak English, right? He talks to all the other players and kind of leaves you out a little bit so that was different right you're always wondering you know am I doing the right thing or is he happy with what you're doing or is he pissed off right he's speaking in Russian behind me swearing and it sounds like he's mad right is he pissed off at me so um so is it uh yeah it was it was different there, there was no doubt it was different um you know but one of the good things I was thankful for uh was that no matter what happened during the game after the game the coach would always make an effort to through his translator come and and, and talk to you after the game hey I understand uh, you know we don't have much contact through the game but this is what I saw and you know did, you yeah. did this really well and, and and you you know so the communication was there it was just different during in-game stuff right yeah. Um, so then, uh, ultimately, uh, end up retiring, I guess, uh, what led you to that and, um, how tough of a decision was that for you? Yeah, it was, you know, I, it was definitely, it was tough, right? Hockey, I, all I had known up until that point was hockey. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, it was, 
you know, I was done. I knew I was done because I wasn't ready to go. Like in Europe, you leave for training camp the end of July, beginning of August and have a six week training camp. And, and the year I was done, I was just like, I cannot do this. Like my body does not want to go over for six weeks. Um, you know, just mentally, I was mentally, I was there. Um, you know, I didn't want to go over and, and, uh, you know, you know, play and put in half an ass, half ass effort. Right. And, you know, the way that I used to, you know, you go over and you give it a hundred percent and you go like that. And I just didn't feel like I was, was there and able to give that. And, and, you know, I knew I was done at that point. Um, another, um, uh, reason why was at that point um the economy had crashed in europe the same time it had crashed over here in north america um a while back i guess it was and uh you know so guys contracts were going down by 50 60 percent rate like i was getting offered contracts of 30 percent of what you made the previous year and you know i was 29 years old at that point and you know i'm not going to go over and spend eight months a year and come back home with no money and you know have nothing to show for it when i when i knew i wanted to apply to the fire department at that point and and, and i felt that was a good time to to finish did you ever have problems getting paid while you were over there so it's funny. I said after my first year, uh, first year in Italy, I hated. I didn't want to play because I actually left. There was two paychecks um, that we we got paid every month, um, and uh, uh, we we got eliminated early. So we had left the country without getting our last two paychecks. Yeah, we'll mail it to you guys. We'll email transfer. Give us your banking information, and you know, I'm not going to get it. Right, still waiting for it this day. But uh, but it's fun, funny story. So. Um, I talk a little bit about Italy and, and the, you know, so this is how it worked. We got paid um, at the end of every month. So at the end of every month, we would all get a text message, a group text message to the team saying, your paychecks are ready, come to the rink one by one. So we'd go and we'd line up outside the manager's office. We'd walk in one by one. We'd sign a piece of paper saying we got our contract. And then they would give us an envelope full of cash. They would give us cash. That's how they paid us, in cash. Wow. So. So, yeah, you know, it, it was no surprise to me that when we left, I said, you know, when I got on the plane, I'm not seeing the last two paychecks and, you know, I, but whatever. It, I mean, it is what it is. And yeah, well, and I think that's the one negative about it. I, I think I know that that still happens today with some, with some teams. And I guess that's the tough part of it, but. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's why you have agents, right? Their job is to, you know, to look into that and, um, you know, the, it is pretty shady in some places over there. Um, you know, they, you know, but there is also some very good organization. All the other organizations I played for after that was, you know, it was like it was over in North America, right? Direct deposit into your accounts, T4s, you know, all the, all the proper steps. Whereas, you know, you have one bad experience. It's yeah. not to say that it's all, all no. like that. Um, so you mentioned you got into firefighting. When did you know that that was what you wanted to do and, um, how did you get into that? So I, uh, I, I, I always kind of like, ever since I was a little kid, I was always fascinated with, with fire trucks and wanted to be a firefighter. Right. Um, you know, when I went to college, like I said, I, I thought physiotherapy would be a good option. Um, just wasn't possible with with our our schedule but but i knew the whole time i was playing um i knew that what i wanted to do after hockey was become a firefighter so uh it just worked out well that um when i was ready to retire um like i said i was done 
the fire department was hiring. Um, so I put my application in. I actually got it in on the very last day. I remember this. It was like, hey, I, I got to get this in. I got to get it in. I got my application in on the very last day. And, and, and sure enough, it took me a year to go through the process. Um, but I got on my first try. Um, super thankful for that. And, uh, you know, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Um, just, uh, yeah, absolutely love my job. Um, and it, it's such a, a great transition for me from, you know, being a part of a team my whole life in hockey to going on the fire department, which is essentially being a part of a team, but it's just a smaller team than a hockey, right? So it's, um, I have no doubt in my mind that the reason I got on my first opportunity, um, where guys, that I know of are um, applying five, six times. I got on my first time. I have no doubt in my mind that it's because I played hockey. It's because I had the life experience from hockey that I was able to get through the process. How long have you been uh, with the fire department? I'm going on my ninth year now with the fire department. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I guess just lastly, before we wrap up here, um just kind of talk about how uh, you're still involved in the game today yeah so I, I i i i was coaching you know obviously we met through um the association we coached in uh, i am not coaching anymore um just time commitments i find really hard with uh with the job you know the shift work um like I said, when I do something, I want to do it 100%, right? And I feel with my schedule, I'm not able to give it 100% and be there all the time. And it's not fair to the players that way. Um, so that was hard. But I, but I have been uh, – um, I'm actually uh, – was brought on by a, a group down in the States, uh, an, an agency group called Bartlett Hockey, to kind of help them out um, in Western Canada here. Um, just kind of help them out with their Alberta guys and, you know, more of as a, as a development resource for their mm -hmm. players. Um, so that's kept me involved in the game. Um, I'm, you know, out watching all the time, you know, you know, I, you know, you keep your eyes open for, you know, players who are interested in the college routes, you know, it's a huge passion of mine. Um, I enjoy talking to kids and families about college. Um, you know, I, you know, and being involved in, in you know, on the, the agency side too, right? Like there's, you know, my big thing when talking about college was there's, you know, you know, it's a good option. Um, the Western Hockey League is a good option too, right? There, there's an option for everybody. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure that kids are exposed to every option before they can then make a decision on what's best for themselves or their families. So, um, you know, so staying involved that way. Um, you know, I love getting out and watching, seeing some of the old players we coached and, you know, being involved that way. Are there any, uh, any trends or anything you're seeing in the game with players today? Um, so one, like, you know, I look back from, uh, you know, when I go out and watch a Bantam AAA, you know, game or a midget AAA game and, you know, I watch the skill and the, the speed that the game is played at now and, and you've coached midget AAA and, and the skill is, is unbelievable. Um, whereas when I played, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't remember being that good. Like these kids are way better than, you know, they're way faster. They're way bigger. They're way stronger. You know, they're just better players than, than we were back at that age. Um, so the game has obviously gotten a lot faster, the skill work, um, the resources available to these kids now, you know, you know, through stuff like that, that you do. And, 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 you know, there's, there's so many resources out there that the, you know, the skill level is so high. Um, 
you know, it's just, it's faster, it's bigger, it's faster, it's stronger. Um, you know, you know, you take that for, for what it's worth, but it's, but it's fun to watch and it's fun to be a part of. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that is definitely a trend that we're seeing. I think it almost has gotten to the point though, where it's skill is kind of like at the expense of hockey IQ and making decisions. Yeah. You don't see, you don't see as many just raw, smart hockey players anymore. Like, there maybe used to be. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's just because the focus is different maybe and it's all about skill. And um, I mean, there's that's not to say there aren't still guys that are smart. And I think you can teach hockey sense a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, but I, I would agree. Yeah, it's it's faster, more skilled, but I would say that decision-making is, is probably less. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with that 100%. 100%. Yeah. So. all right man no, that's uh that's awesome that was really good um really appreciate you taking the time this morning to sit down and have a chat yeah absolutely love being on and you know i really do appreciate what you do as well for you know for your players and and you know and and what you're doing you know especially through this covid stuff right this is a great opportunity for people to be involved in the game and you know, I, I know I talked to some players and, you know, it's been a long, boring summer. There's been nothing hockey, right? So this is a great thing you're doing right now to keep people connected. And, you know, you know congrats yeah. to you on that. Fun to, thank you. It's just fun to just chat hockey and shoot the shit about stuff again. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. My good wife could care less when I talk to her about it, so. It's <laughs> like, like my wife, too. My wife, my wife, I've heard many times, I hate hockey. I hate hockey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I so, probably hear that once a week, at least. Yeah, no. She's super supportive. But she is yeah. super supportive, but I get that comment quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was pumped the other day. I'm like, oh, the NHL's back. And Amanda was like, oh, it's gone? I yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think it's a good thing. Um I'm interested to see how the atmosphere is going to be. And, and, you know, it's guys have been off for three months, right? It's, you know, you look at training camp, you come back after not playing for three months and what you feel like. And it's going to be interesting to see how this is all going to play out. Yeah. I'm interested too, like from the coach's perspective, because obviously like at that level and like preparation and pre-scouts are huge, but you don't have four to six weeks to prepare and pre-scout an opponent. Now you do. Yeah. Like, when have you ever known six weeks in advance who you're playing? Exactly. Except for maybe the first game of the season. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. like, I'm interested to see like or hear about I get and you maybe you'll hear about it afterwards, but just that process of kind of finding the fine line of what's too much and over scouting and over yeah. versus, you know, just kind of doing your own thing. So Yeah. Well I, I totally like I can I can see exactly what you're saying. Like you look at these these guys, they talk about these two hub cities, and you know they're going to be locked up in a hotel. So what else are you going to do in a hotel, mm-hmm. right? Now you're going to pre-scout. You're gonna you're gonna do all that stuff. And yeah. it's, it's like I I mean the only matchup I know is the Oilers in Chicago. I haven't even really looked at it yet. But like, how much time are those guys spending on like pre-scouting each other? Yeah. Already? And yeah. Like they may not play till August. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You drive yourself mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. No, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see that there's just so many different dynamics at play. Yeah. Now. That, and, uh, that, and, uh, you know, for me, a big one too is going to be the atmosphere. Cause as a mm-hmm. player, you feed off the fans, right. Yeah. 
Um, you know, obviously no fans in there. You watch, uh, I don't know if you are watching TV. I know a lot of people have just turned off their TV now, but if you, you know, during the day you watch TSN, they've got the Bundesliga soccer on and that's the division one league in soccer. And, and, uh, and I'm not a soccer fan, but no. it's, it's actually interesting seeing because they're playing in a stadium with no fans and you can hear the echoes of the players calling for the ball. So it's just going to be a completely different atmosphere. And, and you know, it's interesting to see how the hockey is going to do this as well. Yeah, yeah it's going to be, uh, it'll be different for sure. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Blair. Yeah, talk to you later. Talk to you. Bye.